Have any of you ever had a uh, uh, a situation or an experience where you bought something? Maybe you saw one of these great things on TV. You know, like the the eggs would just flip in the pan, or the knife would just slice through a tomato like it was just nothing. And then you got what you ordered and it didn't work like it was supposed to. Have any of you ever had something that was promised to do something and then whenever you got it, it didn't really work like that? If so, let's see your hands. Okay, 100%. That's great. Okay, I'm not alone. I was beginning to think that maybe I was the only one that ever happened to. But uh, the thing is, there's so many empty promises in this world, aren't there? So many times there are things that, that hold forth great promise and we expect them to be like somebody said they were going to be and then they're not. Well, the thing is, Jesus made some promises and he has never disappointed when it comes to his promises yet. And because of that, we know that he will never disappoint when it comes to his promises. Whatever he has said will come to pass. Whatever he has said uh, about things in the past have come to pass. I'd like to uh, just just bring, call, just focus your attention on one thing. Last week, we were looking at the triumphal entry, and we looked right before Jesus entered. And uh, whenever we, and, and right there, before he entered, he, uh, before he started his journey to Jerusalem, it says these words in the uh, 18th chapter of Luke, beginning with the 31st verse. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. All the things that the prophets have said about Jesus, they're all getting ready to come true, he says. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And listen to this. And the third day he will rise again. That's what Jesus told his disciples just as they set out to Jerusalem. As Jesus was setting out and he told them, he was going to die. And on the third day, he would rise from the dead. And now then, as we, with that in mind, let's look at the passage in Luke uh, as far as the first uh, day of the week. Uh, after Jesus has been crucified, he's been laid in the tomb, and everything that Jesus told them was going to happen in just that passage, just a few days before, everything he said has happened up to this point. Now, if you had had somebody tell you a series of events that were going to happen and say three out of four of them had already happened and now it was time for the fourth one to happen, 
wouldn't you be anticipating the fourth one happening? I mean, you've got a pretty good track record here. One, two, three, where's four? Okay, he has been handed over to the Gentiles. He has been scourged. He has been put to death. And now what's supposed to happen next? The third day he will rise again. So it's all happened just according to what he said up to this point. So wouldn't you expect the ladies to be going to the tomb not to carry spices to cover the stench of the smell of a body, but instead going in anticipation of meeting the risen Lord? You would think that after everything else had come about, that they would be anticipating this. And yet, here they go with their spices, and they're going, they're paying no attention to what he said, because it just couldn't be, it just couldn't happen. So they go, and he's not there. And they're so surprised. But then they go back and they tell the disciples, they tell the apostles, and what do the apostles do? They don't believe them. They think that what they're hearing these women say is nonsense, is the way it's translated in this version. In others, uh, it's translated as uh, uh, just being uh, uh, idle uh, talk. Uh, In others, it's anyway, but you see, it's something that they just couldn't believe. And yet, Jesus said it was going to happen. Now, Peter and John did go to the tomb and look, and they found it just as the lady said. You know, God's never made a promise that was too good to be true. He's never made a promise that is not true. And this morning, I want us to look at the promises of Easter, because there are three of them that I see here really quickly. And all three of these promises tie all the promises of God in Christ Jesus together right here on Easter morning. And uh, there are three of them, and each promise is marked by something that's empty. There's an empty cross. There's an empty tomb. And there are empty burial clothes. And it's uh, the very fact that each of these things is empty that assures us that God's promises are real because they couldn't hold Jesus, because he couldn't be contained by the cross, the tomb, or even his burial clothes. We can be sure of the fullness of God's promises in our lives. Let's begin with the empty cross. Because the cross was empty, we have the promise of forgiven sins. You see, Jesus really did die. And that is why I want you to just, if you would, just for a moment, picture that cross that Jesus died on. On that cross, Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. God's word tells us God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for everybody else? Is that what it says? No, for us. Christ died for us. That includes you and that includes me. There are no exclusions as to who 
he died for. It was on that cross that Jesus Christ offered his perfect, sinless life on behalf of each one of us. No one else, not Moses or Abraham, nor David, nor Isaiah, nor Muhammad, nor Buddha, No one else has ever lived perfectly and then offered his perfect life for our salvation. And no one else has ever been raised from the dead to confirm that that is so. And that is why the Bible tells us that there is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. When Jesus Christ breathed his last, he cried out, It is finished. The penalty was paid on that cross, that empty cross. It was there that his blood was spilt for our salvation. There's an extremely important principle that I want you to grasp here this morning. It's found in Romans 5, 17 through 19. For if by the trespass of one man... Death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation of all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Before that fateful Friday, God could open the books and look at each name, and written in black would be the words, guilty of sin. But now, because Jesus went to the cross and died there and paid the price for our sins, and when and we have received, we have appropriated personally what he has done on that cross for us, because of that, God literally has transferred our accounts to his name. Because of the work that Jesus did on that cross, you and I now stand forgiven. The first empty promise of Easter is the empty cross filled with the promise for forgiven sins. There's a line in It Is Well With My Soul that is and should be a testimony for us all. If I can find it, I thought I had it marked. Well, I can't find it now, but uh, it goes, my sin Let's see, how does that go? My sin, does anybody remember it? Oh, the sin, oh, the what? My sin, oh, the bliss of that glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to that cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. The first empty promise is a promise that means so much to every one of us that has appropriated what Jesus did on the cross. Forgiveness, freedom from our past so we can really live in the present 
and look forward to the future. The next empty thing we see is an empty tomb. The angel said, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Jesus had risen. He was alive and the tomb was empty. And what a tremendous promise that holds. Let me tell you about a little boy named Philip. Philip was eight years old. He never felt like he belonged. He was pleasant enough, but he looked a little different from others and sometimes seemed unusual to his eight-year-old classmates. In his Sunday school class several weeks before Easter, Philip's teacher introduced a project. He gave every member a plastic egg and explained to each child that they were to go outside and find a symbol for new life and put it into the egg. And enthusiastically, the class just got into it. And then they came and they brought back their eggs. And back in the classroom, the eggs were opened one at a time with each child explaining the meaning of his symbol. The first egg was a pretty flower. The next, a beautiful butterfly. And green grass was in a third. And the children oohed and awed at each one of these. And and another was a rock, and the kids kind of laughed at that one. And finally, the last egg was opened, and there was nothing. That's stupid, one of the children said. Someone didn't do it right. Another one grumbled, and the teacher felt a tug on his shirt, and he looked down, and there was little Philip. And he said, that's mine, and I did do it right. It's empty because the tomb was empty. Now, there was an unusual and thoughtful silence that fell over that classroom. And you know what? From that time on, Philip was accepted as a part of the group. Now, Philip continued to struggle with many physical problems. And that summary picked up an infection, which most children would easily have shaken off. But because of Philip's condition, his weak body couldn't. And a few weeks later, Philip died at his funeral. Nine eight-year-olds with their teacher brought their symbol of remembrance, and they placed it near Philip's coffin. Their unusual gift of love to Philip wasn't flowers. It was an empty egg, now a symbol to them of the new life and hope that is offered to each one of us through that empty tomb. It was Philip, the different child, who had helped his friends to see the wonderful hope in the message of Easter. And the fact of the empty tomb is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise to every one of us that we too will be raised to eternal life. To those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, You see, death has lost its sting. It's no longer something that we have to fear. What fear is there when we have the promise that one day we will live forever in heaven with him? There was a father and his son that were driving down the road one spring day, and uh, 
a bee flew into the car and the little boy just got terrified because he was terribly allergic to bee stings and the father saw how uh, uh, just uh, agitated the little boy was and how scared he was and so while he was driving he reached and he just grabbed that bee in his hand he held it for a minute and then he let it go and it started buzzing around in the car again and the little boy grew terrified again and the father said to his son don't worry son it can't hurt you now see i took the sting in the same way our heavenly father through his son jesus christ says to us today you don't have to worry about the sting of death anymore because see i took the sting the empty tomb why was it empty because jesus is alive the angel said he is risen and the promise to us is that we too can live even if we die that's the second promise of easter and oh what a mighty and wonderful promise it is but it doesn't end there there's one more promise i want you to know about easter and that is the promise of the empty burial clothes after the angel had spoken to the women they immediately went back to the apostles and reported what had happened and with this incredible news peter and john immediately raced back to the tomb to see for themselves when they got there john stopped just outside the tomb but peter ran right in it didn't take them long to discover that the tomb was just the way the women said that it was going to be but it wasn't all that they saw peter found the clothes that jesus had been buried in and they too were empty now this could only mean one thing and that is that jesus was alive if someone had stolen his body they wouldn't have removed the burial clothes and folded them up neatly and left them where they were truly jesus was resurrected it wouldn't be long before jesus himself would appear to mary magdalene and to all the apostles and eventually to over 500 people and he would sit down with them he would walk with them he would talk with them and he would eat with them and once again they would be able to fellowship with their lord you see that is the promise of the empty burial clothes jesus is alive and he wants to fellowship with you jesus isn't just some nebulous force out in the universe somewhere influencing people he is a living savior and desires to have a very personal relationship with each one of us just as he did with the disciples 2000 years ago think about that the cross couldn't hold him the tomb could not contain him the burial clothes were unnecessary because jesus is alive he has skin and bones and a face and he was recognizable and he talked and he touched and he fellowshiped he did it the day of his resurrection and he still does it today and most importantly for each one of you out here sitting this morning he wants to do it with you personally he is alive i want to ask you to 
an extremely important question this morning. Do you know Jesus Christ? And whenever I say that, I don't mean do you know about him. Do you truly know him? You see, we can know about someone and not truly know them. You can know about Jesus. You can know about his love. You can know about his care. You can know his healing, his forgiveness. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. It has been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus was crucified and nearly 2,000 years since he was buried and resurrected. That first Easter, as the women went to the grave, they had no idea what was about to happen to them. They were not yet aware of the wonderful promises of that day, even though he had told them and made it clear what was going to happen. They just didn't listen. Off in the distance stood an empty cross, the promise that their sins were forgiven. At the end of their journey was an empty tomb, the promise of their eternal life. And inside the tomb were empty burial clothes, the promise that they would once again have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, their living Savior. The promises that they discovered that day are meant for you today as well. You too can know the freedom of forgiven sins. You too can know the promise of eternal life in heaven. You too can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. What amazes me, it's just a, quite a phenomenon to me, is how we can categorize things so rigidly in our lives that it seems that one category never seems to really be related to another and one doesn't spill over into the other. It seems that we can categorize God, our faith, our, quote, church life, or even the resurrection so that they never seem to affect or relate to the whole of our lives. Eric Reed relates the following story. After Easter last year, a woman approached a pastor I know and asked, so what happened with Jesus after the resurrection? Well, he ascended into heaven and he's still alive, the pastor said. I know he was resurrected, but he's alive, she said. Yes, he's alive. Alive? Alive? Why didn't you tell me? For the next two weeks, she telephoned everyone and she exclaimed, Jesus is alive. Did you know he's alive? Somehow the category broke down for her finally. And somehow the category needs to break down for us. To where the fact that he lives isn't just something we talk about in church or in Bible study, but something that we are aware of every day of our lives, every moment, so that we live like those women should have been living as they walked toward that tomb. 
They should have been anticipating finding him alive or at least finding the tomb empty. But because they had so categorized things themselves, when you did, you did. That that didn't figure in with Jesus's promise that he was going to rise again and be alive. My prayer for you this day is that you would just forget categories and look at all these promises as being something that aren't just nice things to consider and to speculate about, but to live out of knowing that you can take your sin, your guilt to God and experience true, vital forgiveness so that you don't have to live in guilt anymore. No more woulda, coulda, shouldas. You can just live out of today in relationship with your living Lord. What a difference this world would be if people would just knock the walls out when it comes to all the different compartments that they keep stuff in and instead live out of it as he meant for us to. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.